And there we are, folks, the beautiful sound that we're missing so much. Nurnuk Hauser, the surrounding the beautiful Olympic Stadium that currently stands empty during games. Uh, but nevertheless, a beautiful sound to hear to start our podcast, and we're very proud to use it, or at least a clip of it, and not run into any copyright <laughs> issues <laughs> from Apple Music. Um <laughs> So we've got uh, Mike and Anna tonight, and Elliot. Welcome, Elliot. Hi, hi guys. Thank you for having me tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I suppose we need to talk about uh, the fact we've uh, got a decent result against Leverkusen. The performance might have been questionable, has raised a lot of debate, but actually we got a nil-nil draw with Leverkusen, so you can jump in, Anna, I know you're desperate to. Yawn. (laughs) It was, um, um, it was, um, not the, not the most exciting game. It was, uh, like I said to you before this started, it was like someone had, um, put FIFA on and had Hertha against Hertha. It was just completely, um, uh, a case of cancelling each other out. It wasn't too much of a difference in terms of chances. I think Luca Bacchio had a chance early in the half, uh, and that was pretty much it. I mean, it was it was a case of long distance shots from Leverkusen and uh, poor um, passing into the final third from Hertha. It was not great, but it was um, going up against. Uh, a team that's in the Europa League and, and actually challenging Bayern for the title right now in terms of their league position, you do not want to go to Leverkusen and concede goals, especially when we lost last week to Dortmund and conceded five of them in the second half. I mean, getting a clean sheet, I think, was more important than the getting a win. And the first thing you've got to, you have to do if you lose 5 2 is just not do that again, not make the same mistake. Second thing should be don't lose. And the third thing should be if you can win. But in this case, it was just... Uh, two out of three, eight Yeah, it was two out of three. It was it was, it was, was a difficult one because they because are a good team. And yeah, they had Delario missing, but it was looking at that 11, it was still like one of their strongest teams they could have put out. You still got Leon Bailey and uh, Diaby and it's just, it's... Uh, it, it's um, it's a decent result could have taken advantage of their fatigue a little bit because they played in the Europa League but even then they um they are a good team and I think Labadea said in his pre-match presser that it was we had to approach it like we were playing Dortmund again rather than someone else because their quality is that high so but it was yeah it was um it was not exciting yeah, yeah. Elliot were you frustrated that Hertha didn't seize on what seemed to be quite boring Leverkusen? Um, first half, possibly. I, I, to be honest, although there wasn't a clear-cut chance in the first half, I actually thought it was fairly watchable. In the second mm. half, Leverkusen dominated possession. Demirbay was strolling it around the park. And if I remember correctly, 
defender had a header from a set piece in the 90th minute. But apart from that, there were no clear-cut chances for either side throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, the other one was the last chance of the game was actually ours. Um, Jessic and Gankamp headed the ball, but he headed it back pretty much straight up in the air and Radetzky caught it, but that was it. Yeah. Two very similar chances at the same, around the same time for both teams. It was just, like you said, that was it. I mean, am I frustrated with Herter's lack of being able to counterattack uh, fluidly? Yes, because that is Labadee's USP. He can get a side to counterattack very, very well. But at the same time, I'm equal parts delighted we didn't concede and we only conceded one big chance in 90 minutes away to a team that will finish in the top five at the end of the season. So it's very much a 50-50 performance. I I don't think anyone can be disappointed by it. I think everyone would have taken a draw at kickoff. So, yeah, I I don't think there's (laughs) too much more. I mean, as Anna said, not much happened. I I wish I'd watched the Formula One, really, but (laughs) there we go. You did watch the Formula One. (laughs) I mean, was some of it down, though, to some poor finishing from Leverkusen, obviously having Eladio out. I know Alexander Schwallow made some really important saves, but if I look at, at the stats on flash score, which I don't know if these are completely accurate, they had two shots on goal all game that were on target, 12 yeah. off. Yeah, no, no it, was, it was the Demi by Long Ranger, which yeah. dipped a bit, but Schwallow got his hands to it. And the other one was Bailey from about 25 yards out, which Shvado made a decent mm-hmm. save low to his left. Now, be- before the game, I think all of us would have taken a draw. You know, it's by Leverkusen, it's away from home. But I do feel a little bit like it was a missed opportunity having watched the game. Looking back on it, Leverkusen were not at the races. They did miss Alario in the team. And had there been some neater play, going forward between the midfield and attack I think we could have punished them but it's just one of them things at the end of the day if we look at yesterday's results of a nil-nil compared to the week before's you know destruction to, hmm, to, we don't uh, talk to, about that to Borussia <laughs> yeah. Dortmund you know it's it it's not the step up that we want but it's a step up you know we've kept a clean sheet and we've not not lost to one of the bigger sides we just uh, and I know we'll touch on it later this week's game's huge which is why Jordan wasn't in the squad on uh, yesterday. Sorry. Um, Turin Riga wasn't in the squad at all. Um, even mm. if he's fit, it's not 100%. Do you, do you think Don't that we really could have done with 10, 15 minutes, at least just to kind of get up to the speed again, instead of throwing a minute at Derby game? I think it's because they were worried that if he did go and play out uh, at all, um, he can potentially injure himself again. He can, you know, if he but he, he, he could do that Friday as well. He could do he that, could do that in training, but it's mm. he could do that in training. But if it's not 100, percent you you don't want to risk your best one of your best centre backs. Mm. If if you want him for the derby, I wouldn't. I really, really wouldn't. Because um, I mean, it's it's not just a it's not just that it's a central defender that's important. It's that it's him because of his significance to the club itself. He's going to want to play that game. He's desperately going to want to play that game because he's been at the club for so long. So it's like, don't I wouldn't risk it. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't that, wasn't that bad after about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think Boyata must have kicked him up the backside. I'll tell you um, what it reminded me of. But about five years ago at PSG, when they had Thiago Silva and David Luiz at centre-back, and it felt Luiz. like David Lu- um, Thiago Silva just got a piece of string and tied one of his legs up with um, <laughs> David yeah. Luiz and just said, right, you're going to stay yeah. here the rest of the game. We're going to be a centre-back partnership and we're going to stop conceding goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bless him. Um, did, they, did they? Did they? <laughs> <laughs> Lost 4 well, let, let, let's, let's say they still walk the league. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah, fair, yeah. Let's, be, let's be honest, five five goals against Dortmund, and pr- promised most of them, if not all of them, were the fault of Boyata and Alderetta. <laughs> so to concede zero, I think it's an improvement. Um, yeah. They, uh, yeah. They they haven't worked together very often, so and also they don't understand each other. Adrates doesn't speak any English or German, so his communication skills are going to be really yeah. difficult for him. It's going to be I, difficult yeah. for him. And any I mean, I, I performances, do you think, from there? Like I I thought Pekarik played well. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love him to be a little bit younger to to have him twenty six, twenty seven, bomb up that wing wing a little bit more as a fullback. But defensively, I thought he was outstanding. But Boyata was back to his best. It's just it's it's going forward. I think Luca Bacchio for me makes too many bad choices with his passing. What was that? I don't, don't think he's in his best place, best position maybe. But yeah. I, I just think, and, and I don't know, it might not necessarily be him as well, because they, they must work on this in training. If Piontek's going to run to the left, why does the pass go to the right of the defender? You know, <laughs> some something's for me is missing there, and I don't know what it is. Why is uh was it it was Luca Bacchio that made that back heel that went to no one, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few times when we know it's not a strength, but Piontek would come deep for it just to get the ball because he wants mm. the ball. He wants to impress. And there's no one there to help him, so he's trying to do a little cheeky back heel to try and get it away. And there's nobody around. Why is no one coming and thinking, right, this guy can't turn, he's not gonna take players on. He he's obviously wanting to get into the game. Because we're not in the in the opposition box, let's come and and offer a pass to him. You know, give him an easy option. It it. I know he's been there for a while now. We're coming up to a year for Piontek, and I know he's been in and out the side. But they must work on this type of stuff. They must know the players' strengths and weaknesses. I think it must be a really frustrating time for Piontek because I yeah. think the system's not suiting him. Um, and then he suddenly finds himself as one of the few seen, available strikers. And then you've seen uh, you've seen that it can work because you've seen it against Augsburg. He played really well. He scored. Mm-hmm. He set up a goal. The problem is he's not someone who's got his back to goal. He's going to turn or he's going to hold the ball up. He needs something to run onto. And nobody, nobody was providing anything for him. Like, exactly. Any I, any yeah. pass that I came think... forward was was too deep. Was was not accurate. Was completely off direction. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, he runs to the left, they pass to the right. It's like, you know, it, he must be so frustrated because he's asking for the ball. I'll play it in there and no one's doing it for him because they're trying to be too clever. Even Cunha yesterday, I mean, normally Cunha would uh, be very good at this. And yesterday he was because he wasn't at his best. While, while we've got obviously got Cordoba injured and, and Piontek's going to be the main man, should they be looking at changing our formation up? And putting someone up there closer to him, you know, whether it's just to lay the ball off to him, as we've seen, if he's running onto a pass, it's fine. You know, that that's a strength in the box. That's a strength. 
But I think playing that lone striker, we're asking too much of a player that doesn't. It, we're not playing to his strengths. No. For me, Piontek's always been um, sort of like a luxury striker. I mean, the person I, who I think about the most in that sort of role is Ruud van Nistelrooy, early noughties at Man United, mm-hmm. where outside the penalty box, outside the final third, he's not that great. Let's be honest, Piontek's link-up play at the centre circle, trying to get the transition done for a counter-attack, isn't that good. It's nowhere near as good as Cordoba. However, inside the penalty area... He's out. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. On, on that, Elliot, like for example, if Piontek does come and pick it up near the centre circle and successfully lays a pass off, he's got a hell of a journey to get where they need him to be as well. And he's, he's not, not quick, quick, is he? No. no, he's not fast. He's um. That's the difference between him and Corda, but Corda's big guy, you know. He he's gets a the ball, perfect strike. Perfect for Hertz. I, I think he was a brilliant signing. It's just Ooh. a shame that he's got injured. We need him back. I mean, even if you, you could even put up like Jessica Gankam up there because he's quite fast. He's quite quick. He's good at yeah. holding the ball up. Put Dodi so there. Young. Like or Dodi, yeah. Dilrosson's fit again, isn't he? So he can yeah, play on the, he can play on the left. wing. But Dilrosson's more of uh, someone you would put on the left. That's the only thing, unless you do put him on the right. It's all, he can still cut in on his left foot, can't yeah. he? Then you, then you've got someone else who can, who can attack from that side. Yeah. You use Cunha on the left instead. I just think uh, at the minute for Piontek, it there's too much of a gap and it's asking way too much for him between the midfield yeah. and attack. Mm-hmm. So, you can't have a go at him. I don't think we can blame him. I've seen a lot of people like, oh, he's so terrible. He's not doing anything. It's like, well, maybe if the if the team actually worked towards helping him out and giving him options and you know doing something that he can actually work with then it wouldn't be such a problem and you know what he doesn't look that frustrated either i'm sure he is but i think he's he's trying to remain as positive as possible because he's got this opportunity you know if if he can if he can start banging the goals in then that gives bruno a huge headache once cordoba's fit again and that's what we want he's also left one club in not very good circumstances if he leaves a second consecutive club in not mm. very good circumstance, I mean, he was at Milan for a year. He was at Genoa for a year and left because he was banging in goals left, right and centre. He goes to Milan. He has a good first half then a bad second half and he leaves in not very good circumstances. He leaves Hertha yeah. again after a year, 18 months in not very good circumstances. Not many teams would want to touch him. Well, Fiorentino was still interested, but even then, if he goes there... What's to say that he's not going to face the same problems he faces at Hertha? There's absolutely nothing Anna, to say that. you know that. what the pink papers in Italy are like. Oh, they are the worst. Yeah. But no, I haven't even <laughs> I haven't even looked at what they're saying. But they they're still interested. They are interested, but they've made no approach. The thing is, he he's not unhappy. It's not like oh, I'm unhappy. It's more of a I'm I'm getting annoyed that I'm not getting mm. what I asked for. You know. I've, what what it, happens I to his so. value though in in that circumstance where if you start becoming a player that that jumps clubs every 12, 18 months mm. and we're still we're still in a COVID environment where clubs are not willing to spend as much and take as much of a risk. If he does become unhappy and and Fiorentina do come in, do we have, do we have to take a loss on him? Is that something mm, that surely they won't want we, to do? We can't let him go until we sign another striker. So unless we sign someone else, we can't let him go because we don't have any other options. Except for Dodi, but we use him out on the right. So unless we sign a right winger, um, we either sign I, a right winger I think we'll or probably, we sign uh, a striker. 
probably getting ahead of ourselves. I, I can't see <laughs> that he would leave. I can't see that he would leave before the end of this season. Mm. And hopefully by that time, he'll have banged in 20 goals and we, nobody will want him <laughs> <Hopefully>. to leave. <laughs> it, it, it does seem too soon, but if if you look back at his record, I think he's played for about five or six clubs and he's, what, 24? Yeah. So it, it, made, does move, made, it does move about. I made a comparison. Um, they've scored the same amount of goals since they joined their clubs and Piontek's been on the, on the bench a lot more. Um, I made a comparison between Cruiser and, and, and Piontek because they've scored the same amount of goals. Um, but four of Cruiser's have been penalties and three of Piontek's have been penalties. So there's, he scored more from open play. But people jump on Piontek very quickly, but they don't jump on Cruiser for not you know, scoring four penalties. As soon as someone talks about Piontek, it's like, oh, we only scored three penalties. He can only score penalties. They don't do that. But the difference is, uh, the the cruiser's more versatile. He's a ten. More, more of a team player. Team. He, he'll create goals and bring players in more. Pion- yeah, five it, assists or something. And, and it's it's not against Piontek because we're not as we've said we're not playing to his strengths. But he should just be in and around the box, waiting for balls to come in to just fire in the back of the net. Where Max Cruiser will do more. So although he's scored more penalties, I, I think his all round game probably contributes a little bit more. Different position is a different mm-hmm. position as yeah. well. He's a ten. Yeah. And, and Piontek's played five more games uh, in Berlin than Kruse has as well at this point. So let's get on to the main course then. Oh. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> so Friday night, Mike's already unveiled it as massive. Yeah. Um, uh, oh. Elaborate, Mike. One thing that came into my mind before we started the podcast tonight is it's going to be obviously at the Olympic Stadium. It's going to be no crowd. Ah. Is that that potentially a good thing at the minute? Where we're sitting in the league and how Union are position-wise, and we know how how the fan base are. We've talked extensively outside the podcast about who they've played so far compared to who we've played. But that won't matter one bit to the Union fans. Now, had that game been a full house with 10,000, 15,000 Union fans there, maybe more, I think it could have been quite hostile. I think it's as much as we'd, lo- we'd all love to be there, I think in the current situation of the two clubs, an empty stadium may play into our hands. We've also mm. played each other once in empty stadium at Violi. Mm-hmm. And that, we all know how that went with big mm-hmm. smiles on our faces, I can see. I think Anna's yeah. running for now. I can almost see her. <laughs> I was working at Waterloo Station that night, and as soon as we scored the first one, I didn't even know we'd scored. I just got a message coming through saying, Abisovic! And I ran, just right. ran down the platforms at it's Waterloo like, Station. Tra- trains are free tonight. <laughs> no <laughs> but then it was so the weird. Station it was, like, it was it. one, and then it was two, and then it was bit like three, and I was like... If, if the station announcer did it, we'd never understand it. <laughs> no, because people kept staring at me like, are you OK? I'm like, no, I'm not OK. Um, I've still got the tickets from the first game we should have played uh, at the Olympic Stadium uh, because this is the second game with no fans at the Olympic Stadium against Onion, which the worst the worst thing about that is that by the time we play the reverse fixture, we may allow, have fans allowed, some fans allowed back in, which will be horrendous and extremely unfair. So... 
I don't know. And again, well, can work against us. Of late, yeah. outside of that empty stadium game, we've not exactly had a brilliant record against Union. I was you know, fortunate enough, although unfortunate because the result wasn't great, to be there the previous time at home in the Svita Liga. And we just scraped away with the points that night. And I think it, it, the way I could attest it to is it's like a... Uh, one of those big FA Cup third round ties. It felt like it was the small club. And again, if there's any Union fans listening, they won't like that. And they may direct me to the table oh, to tell me otherwise. It. They admitted but, it. They admitted it to me yesterday. They were like, we're smaller than you. I was like, ka-ching. But, but they <laughs> gotcha. are. You know, no, they they're, are. Doing, they're doing great. They've, this is the second season in the Bundesliga and I've got no ill feeling to them. I hope they stay up. I think it's great for competition for the city. But I, I do think that they rise to that game. It, it means so much more. I mean, I'm an Evertonian. No. I live in Liverpool. I no, know I what it means. We, we don't we don't win them derby games, but it does mean more to us because we're desperate to get one Oh, yeah, over no, I agree with that. I thought, you meant, I thought you meant it meant more to them. It, no, I don't. No, no, I, I think, think, no, the game means as much, but I think their fans deal it as, treat it as a much bigger tie than maybe we do. Yeah, no, it, it's exactly that. the same in, in East Anglia as well, for the old farm. I mean, I'm a Nipswich fan. And we haven't beaten Norwich for, I think it's 10, 11 years now. So the last few times we've played against them, OK, we blatantly haven't been the better side, but it does mean more to us than it does to, say, my Norwich friends. So. But the thing is, I don't think it means as much to them that it does to us, because if we lose, everyone laughs. You know, so if we win, we Union fans just turn around and go, oh, well. You know, we lost. We're the smaller club. If we mm. lose, it's crap. We just lost to a load of minnows. It's embarrassing for us. Yeah, and, and that mindset is exactly the same in Turin as well mm. for the Turin derby between Juventus and Torino. Yeah, uh, and trust me, we we treat that this, that way in Liverpool as well. If if we win, it <laughs> which is rare. It's been a long time. We we treat it as this huge occasion. But if we lose, it's like, oh well, you know, they're going to go on to win the league or, or finish in the top four. So we, you know, it, we're expected to lose. And I think that's what Union would would be like if they lost. It's yeah, well, you know, they're the big club. But I think if they win, as you say, it's 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 harder for us to take and that's why i think the game's bigger to them than it is to us yeah there's a no, historical context to this bigger. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I don't yeah i don't think it's bigger but I, in in the history of east berlin and west berlin there was a fan friendship between the two clubs and i think that that's all been eroded and that sort of history's ebbing away now the light yeah. it seems to be it's sad uh, that, isn't it? it seems to be it's very tribal. Is that, is that because, yeah. though, it, we're talking a newer generation of fan that has now got this derby game that has previously kind of been only a dream tie? Is it because the, the, the chance is there now and there's these new fans coming in that, that it's not uh, the friendly derby, whereas 30 years ago... That. I don't think it's just that. I think it's... I think the animosity is more from a Hertha perspective towards Union rather than the other way around because of the uh, media attention that Union get because of the positive attention that they get because they are deemed to be, uh, whether it be positive or negative, like a cult club Mm -hmm. with uh, a history that gets noticed, whereas Hertha just do what they do and don't ask for any kind of recognition for it and they just get on with life, whereas 
if Union do something, it always appears like, you know, they, 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 they bark like a screaming dog, like, oh, my God, look at me, look what we did. We deserve, give me attention, give me attention. Whereas how to just get on with it and they just do it. And it's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, especially outside of Germany, media that focuses on Union rather than Hertha well, because look, look they've it. got something to focus on and then they say, oh, this is a special club. It's like, but there are special things about every single club in the league. They do things that other clubs don't do and they don't they don't get any kind of like special recognition for it. They just get on with it. They, that animosity. I mean, if you ask Bert, for example, he would say the same thing. It, it was like, they uh there was a friendship it started to deteriorate because Hertha was the bigger club Union didn't like it and then obviously they did some good things but then Hertha started to fade out and they were like why why are we getting all this negative press what's going on it it, it doesn't doesn't affect me necessarily too much but I look back at that first season that Union had BBC football focused on a special 30 minute report on them exactly bt sport on a 90 minute special on uni on berlin where they traveled with the fans on the coach no no other clubs have had that that have come up yeah why that's why i always ask why like how to do things year after year that are incredibly important whether it be for charity we have the benny cup every year we have action uh, kniper that's been going we have how to warmth we have this we have that things that are done collectively by fans not just to support the club but to support people in the community but it doesn't get noticed by anybody else outside of germany outside of berlin whereas union berlin they they did something 15 years ago right to do with the stadium and the 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 the, the blood drive yeah 15 years ago and they're, they're getting a 90 minute documentary on VP Sport yeah. for it. Why? The, they're similar. They're, they're getting treated similar to someone like San Paoli. Well, San Paoli, uh, they, they to me, do a hell of a lot more. You know, yeah. strong left wing uh, and, you know, anti homophobia, pro, all, all different kind of rights. Like they're, they're a proper cult club if you were going to have to pick one. Yeah, all the things that, all the things that Herter are doing, though, that's like, yeah. you know. You mm-hmm. just have to look at the different sections of our fan base to to see the. Is it the, the more boisterous in, in doing it though? Maybe uh, or... people are. Yeah, I think people are interested in. Obviously, San Paolo's got a really good image that they've built over mm-hmm. many years. Like Union, they've got the fact they used to be an East German club. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of what what sets us out. You know, and mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. It, and it, it's. I suppose from our point of view, we've been able to, you know, join join this group of uh, football fans in Berlin and like just be embraced by them and. Mm. I, 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 and I, it's hard for that to translate like, because there's a football romanticism, isn't there? To be fair. It's yeah. a romantic thing. It's like, oh, that look at them, you know, they're they're so different. I was like, you should and a lot of this a lot of this perspective comes from outside of Germany itself to people that haven't uh been to games very often or haven't explored what the what the fan base in the country itself is actually like. Whereas I think we have because we know so many people involved. And um 
it's it's a football romanticism idea of um oh that you know we don't have this or we don't but they don't bother to look at other clubs and what they do they just mm. sort of think that it, one one club is like this and it, it's not is, like that is it that fa cup thing again though is it because it's a smaller club coming and doing it that it gets yeah. the attention because it's almost expected of the bigger clubs to do their bit. The, oh, well, look at this little plucky club that, that that's come up. They're doing all these great things. Let's let's focus on them. Yeah, but if you look at probably Hoffenheim and, and Mainz are probably mm. smaller, smaller clubs that are widely yeah. ignored, mm. but just can't tell that story that, oh, well, we, we existed in the former communist era and we've come come from difficult circumstances yeah you know, what, Bielefeld, what Bielefeld is a great example of that yeah mm. and, um, and the, every club I think I think one of you said it earlier every club has got some sort of this interesting trait about it you know and and, and they're I mean, worthy I mean, of it but. all you all you have to do really to even in Berlin itself maybe not quite so much but you didn't you wouldn't have seen this on the media over here but when it happened to us it was everywhere you just have to look at the comparison between the reaction of the media towards Solomon Kalou when he breached corona lockdown rules Mm -hmm. and the reaction to Max Cruiser when he went party into a bloody casino in the middle of Berlin without care in the world everybody jumped on Kalou's back he got suspended he never played for us again Max Cruiser people like oh uh whatever you know, because because he's done things like this before, and he's quite a he is quite a character. You know, he, everyone knows that, but that doesn't make it acceptable. But everyone everyone treated it differently, and you ask yourself, why is that happening? Just the perspective of the outside world of us is different to them. Do you think then a lot of it comes from Union's past, then Mark, just being from the east? Because outside of Leipzig, who, let's face it, they're a brand new club. Really, they they're not a, a club from the GDR. They they're a a modern club that was created in, in the last what 10 15 yeah. years the east german teams are littered in the dry league and below yeah. there's, there's very few that that make it any higher and if you look back the majority have come up and went straight back down and energy Coppos, uh hansa rostock dynamo, dynamo dresden they come up and then disappear union have done brilliant things to stay up and, and stay relevant so I, I do hope for it but is that why maybe because it's a team from the east that's doing good as well that maybe they get the you know the extra attention from that yeah it's definitely that i think that, that there's that romantic thing i think uh rb leipzig have absolutely trashed their history so <laughs> kind, of, kind of it can't really we're be not celebrated romantic at all. I think, we're a machine. yeah i think they've got they've sort of abused their mm. their history to enable themselves to get a massive sponsor you know and mm. dance with the devil unfortunately that dance involves them getting to the champions league every year now so what do you do but um yeah and to be honest uh i'm i'm happy for union to get attention it's just it's the same to me it's the same thing as saint saint Pauli. They're, they're telling a story about their club but i think that our our club have got brilliant stories yet to be told and mm-hmm. it's when are we gonna when are we gonna seize the moment and start creating some interest you know we've got a magnificent history we did a great podcast actually about how we'd uh, re-owned the olympic stadium space that that you know it was now a place of sanctuary of of uh, uh, community values and 
had been uh, reclaimed from its uh, Nazi past. You know, that's that's a remarkable story. You know, we do get attention from the grounds as well, don't we? Because let's face it, it, it is a fantastic venue, and I do think that that when we haven't been such a great side, it's kind of kept us on the map a little bit because people knew the grounds and knew the stadium yeah. and the venue. Um, we, we've just got to gotta bring the memories. historical stadium in the world. Mm-hmm. You've got, it is the stadium that has a not so great past, let's be honest, so it's that part of it. But you've also got Jesse Owens winning five gold medals there. You've got Zidane in the 2006 oh, World Cup final. Yes. That's, that's a wrap there. Yes. You've got, the, Champions you've got the 100 metres world Champions record, mm-hmm. which is there, which, let's Very be honest, nice. will probably not got be broken memories of in any of our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Depeche Mode first leg of Depeche the year. Depeche Mode. You too. Those Olympics in the 1930s, that, when you see the stadium now, the exterior obviously there's been a roof added but the exterior is oh, still pretty much what it was it's been it's, it's clean same. cleaned up and maintained but yeah. inside we are talking about a world-class venue it doesn't you, you don't get champions league finals world cup finals without it being you know a uefa or fifa ranked five-star stadium and it, it's it's just an unbelievable venue it really is not like that poxy little place in Copenhagen. Shots fired. I said it, I said it, yeah, and I've been there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I could not see a bloody thing when I was there. Was it all the trees? <laughs> no, it was the fact that terracing is actually like oh, really old style terracing. Is it very um, shallow? Yeah, so I'm very short. Um, I had to pretty much jump up and down just to be able to see. So um, I'd rather have somewhere I can actually see what's going on. Um, also, in, in Corona times, uh, this is exactly the reason why you should not play there. Um, I've never been so squashed. <laughs> like it's it's not bad. It's just I wish people wouldn't hype it up quite as much as it is because three sides of terracing can have its disadvantages. It really can. Like, it, can it can, but I think you've got them old school fans that that love that go to the game and stand. I think I think the way most teams have it now and just have one one area behind the goal is the way forward. And I know mm-hmm. that's the plan for uh, the Stadion de Alten Foresteri, is it? Yeah, for the Stadion and Alten Foresteri. There you go. You, you say that, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> um, the old Forester's house. Yeah, some some fans love it. Um, for me at my age now, I'm quite happy to sit down. I'll get up and, and <laughs> cheer when the goals come in, if they come You're in. You're half my age, Mike. Come on. Wow. I, I'm not. Get yourself I'm, to the gym. <laughs> you, look, you look good for 80, Mark, if that's the case. <laughs> wow. 40 in February. I'll tell you that. Bad deal. Nah, yeah. um, right. No, well, I've got memories of that, so that, that stadium, that 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 uh, historic night in november 2019 um, um please don't repeat that because that you know we're talking about the leverkusen game that that game i think the 2nd of november i think it was 2019 in Kupernik was the worst game i have ever seen <laughs> it was so bad i've i've not seen a game live that bad ever yeah, well, Poor quality, nothing. It was just nothing. Not, it was just, not just no the chances, game. Nothing. I mean, look at the situations we had with the pyro as well from the fans. I mean, that's something else that, as much as 
we'd like to have a full house there cheering them on we don't have to worry about that type of drama as well because it, it isn't great when when you've got two rival you know city teams playing and it ends up being that there's more stories happening off the pitch than on the pitch especially if you're on the losing end of it as well you don't want that to be was, known as, as a team that lost and you know people are talking about all the trouble that was going on it was um it was a bit of a conspiracy with the with the pyro because we actually didn't start it. Um, the pyro started in the home end, but it wasn't being lobbed at anybody. Um, but then it, you know, it was odd because none of us recognised the people that actually threw the rockets. So uh, you know, the, even the ultras were didn't know who they were. So there's a there's a, an idea that these people were not from Hertha at all. That they'd Ch- come from Chelsea Dinamo. Fans. No, I wish. Um, no, Dinamo and Magdeburg I think, may have may have been um, may have infiltrated. Uh, let's say the away end that well, night. We we've seen the drama there between Hertha and Union. Imagine if BFC Dynamo were in were in the Bundesliga oh, now. I mean, wow. they would be. They would be wars those games. <laughs> oh yeah, they would have to be played behind closed doors. <laughs> I mean, imagine, corona a, or no corona. Imagine a game Dinamo Dresden against Millwall. That would, <laughs> yeah. At the den, yeah, at the den. <laughs> yeah, at the old den as well, not the new one, the, the old, old one. Um, though the um, the rockets thing was not very. That was not very pleasant. Um, and. Uh, the, the worst thing for me was that I was standing next to people from Axel Kuzerjungen and this person with this, you know, Balaclava came up and stood next to me and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, please go away. And they just really, they just have this massive pyro in their hand and I was like, please get away from me because I don't want to be associated with this. And then that happened on different places in the block. And the worst thing is we got a lot of blame saying, why did you throw pyro into the family block? And it's like, well, why the hell did you put the family block next to the way? And, you know, what kind of idiot are you? <laughs> why would you do that? Why didn't you move the family block somewhere else? This wouldn't happen. And okay, no one's condoning what actually happened. No one's condoning, you know, throwing flares or whatever. How, how naive can you be to put children next to an away block in a derby? It's a, it's a really bad idea. Wait. I, I'm not saying that it that it wasn't fans from Dynamo or Magdeburg, but yeah, this this was a very difficult game to get a ticket for, and if if it is fans from other clubs, it's quite frustrating to think that when you've got mm-hmm. such a small allocation with it being such a small ground, that that these fans could get in ahead of our own. Yeah, it would be um, that they got help from one of the ofcs like from one of the other clubs one of the fan clubs that might have a friendship with them or something so that that's usually the way that it happens i'm not saying it was them because we don't know if it was but it was the fact that none of us knew who these people were we've never seen them before um and it just uh, didn't sit right because even the, the the ultras were not being that stupid you know they were all at the front they didn't they didn't do that they didn't throw anything they had flares but they didn't throw them and so, so let's focus let's focus on the fanless friday game uh, which uh, um you know we can all agree is fairly significant given mm-hmm. recent results on both sides um as this is supposed to be like a snack size preview yeah. to, to wrap it up uh, I'll put you all on the spot and say wh- where we're going with the scores on Friday. Oh, don't know. 
don't want to. I'll go first. I'll, I'll say three two. They won't score twice. <laughs> I, I won't say who's who. I don't want to do a prediction. I can't. I can't think. Don't make me do a prediction. They're not going to score two. <laughs> They're not going to score twice. <laughs> no. I mean, we've had one awful game between the two sides where let's be honest there probably shouldn't have been a goal it deserved to finish nil nil we've had one game where one team were comfortably the winners so yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a game within one goal and both teams will score mm. so I, I think it'll be three two I mean, we say they won't score two, but we're talking about Hertha here. Kept a clean sheet against Leverkusen, so I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think it. I don't think it'll be that scoring. It could be a disastrous nil nil again, for all we know. To be fair, <laughs> um, it could it could be a disastrous worse result, and my head is kind of leaning that way. But I don't want to give that prediction on the podcast because it's a hater podcast. It'd be crazy to <laughs> no, have us lose Seriously, be but honest. You know? I, I'm just thinking, regardless of who's played who, their confidence is going to be much higher than ours, which means yeah. that their players may play slightly above their level because the confidence is high, because they're going to the big city rivals, because it's at their ground. The I've just got. Your, your, your confidence does not change your ability. Like, you know, you don't grow an extra leg because you want it to happen. No, of course, <laughs> so, of course not. But I think the adrenaline yeah. can lift. I think you can get more out of players when the confidence is high. So they may be playing at their absolute best where we're maybe not at the minute. And, and it may be that this game's come at a good time for Herta, that we need a game against a big rival to get the best out of us. Yeah. So so because of that, I'm, I'm it's still not a great result, but... I'm going to say a, and I know Anna, Anna's already said they won't score two, but I'm going to say a 2-2 two, two draw. Nah. I want us nah. to win. I really do. I'm just concerned at the lack of chances that we're putting away and creating without Calder oh. in the team and the, the fact that they're playing well. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick is, my neck uh, out, but I want to know what Anna's saying first. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was thinking uh, 2-1 Hayata, but um, either that or 2-0 um, as I said before I think if you if you can keep Cruiser under control they don't have too much else I mean you say they're playing well I watched their game against Frankfurt and mm. they, they didn't play great it was Frankfurt should have won that game they had the better chances they played the better football and two Union goals were absolute ridiculous in terms of luck. One of them was uh, basically Kevin Trapp in the Frankfurt goal. He had the ball in his hand and he basically threw it at um, Robert Andrich. He, mm. he threw it at him and he put it in the back of the net. That's an incredibly lucky goal. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then the, they had a penalty. Um, but, you know, it was a penalty that was given and you look at it and you think, I can't see the contact. There must be something there because otherwise he wouldn't have given it. But it was, I didn't see any kind of contact. So penalty, you know, it's a naivety of Frankfurt. Frankfurt came back from 2-0 down. That's not easy to do. And they did it. And they played in the second half better. Once they'd come back to 2-2, they played better. They went 3-2 up. And the 
pretty much the only good thing that I saw in that game from Union was Max Cruz's goal. That was it because they didn't create much else. I mean, and it's the same with uh, Cologne when they played Cologne in the last minute of that game. Cologne hit the bar, you know, so it's it. I've, I've looked at. Is that Union though? Because when I, when I think of some of the games I saw last season, they're not exactly a free-flowing football inside, but they kind no. of grind results out. We don't get that luck though, do we? We we get the bad luck, not the good luck. I mean, it's you've got to look at the results that they've got out of those games that they've played. They've beaten Mike's 4-0, Bielefeld 5-0. Mike's are starting to improve a little bit. Bielefeld are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. They'll struggle. Um they yeah. they will now, I think, yeah. They uh they started off all right. Mites, I think, might clamber out of it because they've sort of stabilized themselves. Cologne beat Dortmund, but you've got to remember Dortmund played in the Champions League in midweek and they looked exactly the same as they did when they played and lost to Augsburg. They looked exactly the same. I don't know what's wrong with Dortmund if they can't handle their load of games at the moment, but they were they were creating chances, just weren't scoring any of them. They're not the only um, ones, though, I think, post-Europe. Across Europe, I think the teams that are playing in have been struggling. You know, even in the yeah. Premier League, I think they found it difficult to play after a midweek Euro game just because of the yeah. short break and lack of I pre-season. Mean, when, we lost, when we lost to Dortmund, we had the international break. Every t- So us, Leipzig and, Dor- um, and uh, Bayern have the most international players. All three, te- all three of the teams either lost or drew. None of them won. So it sort of suggests that there's a lot of problems with fitness. But going back to the Union games from before, I, I mean, they, they, uh, okay, they, they beat uh, Mainz and, and Bielefeld and Cologne. They're, they're three clubs that are in the bottom three, and clubs that will struggle. Well, to beat Freiburg and Schalke, both of them have been extremely poor recently. And they got a draw against Gladbach, who had five players missing, and they won against Hoffenheim, who were down to 10 men. So you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, how, how lucky do you have to be to have played mm. five clubs, in the all of them in the bottom half of the table, except for Gladbach? And we've played Bayern, Leipzig, Dortmund, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen and Gladbach in that, well, we would have played mm. Gladbach in that same amount of time, which is extremely frustrating. I, th- I think there's still a team that had not long come up. So, so all of the, most of those games will still be a struggle. I think the Schalke one's the big one because they're coming up to probably the worst twelve months in the club's history. Twenty-five and to, games, and, and, and to not to not be able to beat them, I think is yeah. probably the big one. But but the other the other teams, although we'd be expected to beat them, I think there's still a challenge, regardless of where Union are for them. They're all still huge games. They've only been this is the second season in the Bundesliga playing some of these sides. These sides are sides that are literally in terms of quality and in terms of the way they're playing. If uh, to be honest, if we'd have their schedule and we'd have theirs, sorry, if we'd have their schedule and they'd had ours, we wouldn't be in thirteenth and they wouldn't be in sixth. It oh, would be a, a different. Doubt. It would be. It mm. would be a completely without different a ball game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, the it's just thing is, it's just where we'd be. Uh, it, it, we'd probably be seventh or eighth in comparison to where we are now yeah. because. If we had been given these games, say like we played Augsburg and we won 3-0 and then the week after we'd been given Cologne or Schalke or something else instead of being given Dortmund. I mean, imagine how it would look. We'd have three more. We'd probably have three more points. Imagine if um, Union had 
lost to uh, or drawn with um, you know Schalke, and then a week later they had to play Bayern. It's a different. It's a completely different result in terms of the quality they have to play. I mean, the problem is that because of all the games we've had at once that are incredibly difficult in terms of the quality of team we have to play. We've lost all those games and people, or we haven't lost them all, but we've lost some of those games. And like you said, people start to get frustrated and they get their mm-hmm. confidence drops. Whereas we haven't had any games that have actually been there that we can actually go out and say, OK, now we can prove our quality because we're playing against quality that's lesser than ours. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so, some of it, some of it's been bad luck, though, because on oh, paper, yeah. you would expect us to beat Stuttgart, but it came oh, at a bad that, time for us. That was the worst you time know, to play them. And there was other games. I think was it was a Frankfurt. Did we get a band sent off or something? Or... No. Um, no. Frankfurt. Frankfurt no. Bad Frankfurt. Game, that was Leipzig. We had someone sent mm. off. Um, but, but, but the games, not Leipzig, but Frankfurt and Stuttgart. You'd expect us to at least get a point out of them games, especially mm-hmm. at home. You, you know, you, you'd want three points. Frankfurt they didn't, was a weird they, one. Didn't go Frankfurt our way. Good team though. Frankfurt mm-hmm. will be top half of the table. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about chances created from open play so far they'll this season, six. it's second. They've got the second I thought they were best sixth. player. Someone no, said no, no, on no. a podcast last week they'll be sixth. If they'd taken all the chances that they'd created, no, they'd be sixth. Anna, Anna, in terms of chances created from open play, they've got the second best player in the league so far this season in Canada. In, uh, not Silver. Uh, uh, no, not Silver. Daichi Kamada. Yeah. He's absolutely super. Herb for them this season. Uh, Silver and Bastos, I think, are the perfect type of front two as well. You, you've got yeah. your big, your big guy who, who can turn and score it in in the six yard box, and you've got Silver who can do the rest of the work. If you're mm-hmm. playing two strikers, they're the, they're the ideal partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome That's, to uh, the Frankfurt podcast. Everybody. Yeah, welcome to the iPod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to stick okay. my neck out. And first. say yeah, we're going to do Paul it. This is been out for ages. We're going to do it, Mark. We're going <laughs> to do got, it. Yeah, I'm, my aging, aching neck is saying we're going to win. I don't know how we'll win. I, I couldn't put a score on it, but I just think we're slowly. This has got to be the start of turning the corner, and I just think if we win, it will. It will really. So I think it's really crucial we win, and I don't really care how we nil. I'll take controversy, but we just need to start getting some points now. Mm-hmm. I mean, once this game's over, we've got Gladbach away. That would be not fun. Um, we don't. So after the Gladbach game, the, we've got the week after, Mainz, we have Mainz, Schalke, Bielefeld, Cologne, Freiburg, Hoffenheim. They're all coming up. But is there is there a winter break between some of them? Yeah, games? yeah, there's a winter Short. break in there as well. But we Short. don't have to play another team from the top five last season until February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Bremen, Bremen would be best. the next one. I've seen, and I'm hoping it goes the other way. But I've, in the time I've been following Hertha now, coming up to ten years, I've seen seasons where we've gone into the winter break third or fourth in a in a division, and then barely mm-hmm. won a game after it. So hopefully, this run of games, if we can finish strong and then come out after that break strong have a really really solid second half of the season yeah the what new normal on. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of did that we kind of did that last season when we came back from corona we were like really strong mm-hmm. um and before it i mean someone someone made a comparison of um points between ante at this time last year and um this time now 
between Labadia and Ante Trovic, um, saying Trovic had more points at this point. But I went to 17 games, no, 15 games last season, right, including some away games. I went to those games, and Ante Trovic in his first nine games played Paderborn, Dusseldorf, Cologne. So those uh, three teams, and Bremen. So three of those four teams were either relegated or in trouble. Bremen were in the playoff, Paderborn got relegated, and Dusseldorf got relegated. He had those three games. We haven't played any of those teams yet, or any teams in those positions. None. We, so we started, really started well under Bruno and then I think fatigue and injuries kind of got in the way towards the end of the season. We lost some important players. Yeah. They were playing it, S-Fine at right back. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. lucky on the same I day. Know, I think that's enough <laughs> to say. And, and yeah. as, as good as Shellbread was for us over the years, I think a lot of those games towards the end were asking a lot of a player who was 33 at the time. Mm. Ask a and, was uh, amazing last season. Though. Yeah, we, we, we miss... Um, yeah. He got injured very badly, didn't he? Mm. He keeps getting injuries. It's it's a question of who plays now when he comes because Tussar can't get into the team now, and he was a twenty million pound signer. Doesn't signer. deserve to be in the team either. He's, no, no but the thing is, he's uh, he had an injury and he's not a hundred percent fit. He's in the squad, but they said they don't want to play him if he's not hundred percent. So when when he when he's him. played though, he's been too much sideways and backwards. I think I almost feel like he was signed off the back of a video that showed him spraying thirty forty yard passes to players, but they're not going. Not going anywhere. YouTube highlights videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None no, of I mean, no. Gwen Doozy looks a, looks a good signing so far. Oh, he's great. I love he, him. He, he can tackle. He comes for. He gets forwards a bit. Um, Starks pretty much got that mm. position at the moment, but maybe if Asuka Seba's fit, he might take that that role because Starks doesn't doesn't go. Doesn't, I know, I, know I, th- I think he's played quite it's well. Like late. I think he's played he quite played well, played, well, but he does he doesn't go forward enough. He's too so, defensive yeah, minded because he's, he's been a centre back. That was his issue. Opinion, That's his issue. In in my opinion, Labadie has got that three man central midfield. You've got that screening role, which for me is Askasiba. Yes, Stark has played well. Stark has played well. There's no doubt about that. But Askasiba, for me, is better. He's, no, he, is. he got 40 is, tackles um, and interceptions in seven matches last season. Stark's got 39 and nine. Stark, he's still, I think Stark is still in the mindset of being a centre-back that's slightly further forward. Yeah. So he, all his work is defensive. I Once he has the ball, he doesn't, well. re- he doesn't really know what to do with it. Like, he's sort of like, OK, I got the ball back. If, for, if you're Nicholas Stark, though, as well, and, and you, you've been in, been in and around the Germany squad... Is he thinking? To be fair, but. <laughs> you know, but is is he thinking as a player? Maybe I need to move on. As much as he loves being a Hertha Berlin, and you know, despite all the criticism around around him, he he still comes out and puts that shirt on. Does he? Does he make? Is you know? Do we have to sacrifice him? Well, if, if he wants to play centre back, I think so. But the yeah. problem is we've got Askasiva, and he's got a bit of a glass ankle. So mm. I think. Starts going to get game time. I think he'll, even if Askasiba is more fit than what he is now, Stark will play 15 matches a season. I suppose the question, yeah. the question is has Stark got more chance of getting in the Germany midfield than he has the German defence? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, so, it, so maybe he continue, continues to work on, on, on his game there. Yeah. Uh, he needs to work on his uh, forwards passing. He needs <laughs> to work on progression not regression not going backwards because that's a huge problem i I wouldn't say that's 
his responsibility though. I think whoever's playing in the pivot role, it's their responsibility to get the ball off the centre backs and move the ball forward. That's the person you want the passing to be going through. Whether that's Toussaint or, in my opinion, it should be Gunduzi, who's playing it very well now. That's the person you want the ball going keeping to. Keeping the ball. That's the problem with Stark. As I like, I still think he's still too much in his centre back mindset. So he's does doing any, what he was doing at the back. Does anyone know what Stark's pass percentage was on Sunday? I didn't really look, to be fair. It, I mean, I, I can't guess. I know what I it is. I've got the number in front of me. I, I'm, I I'm guessing. Assume. I'm guessing it's in the seventies, but I suppose how many of those passes are backwards? Backwards. I guess. It, exactly. I guess. But it, it doesn't always matter if that's the only pass on you're going to play it safe to keep protecting yeah, yeah. possession. Not like Plattenhart last week. I'm, I'm going to say around a 75.5. <laughs> Mike, I'm, I'm, anyone else want to have a guess? 75. 85. 85. 80, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> 90. So Mike's closest. Oh. It was 48. Oh, wow. What? 40, what? Wow! Yeah. Oh, okay, that's it. That's cemented my achievement. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> he like, completed what? 13 passes of 27. Oh, crikey. What yeah. the hell? That's what I mean. Someone said he had a strong game. Yeah, he had a strong game when he had the ball at his feet, but as soon as he lets it go, it goes nowhere. That could be part so... of. That could be the other elements of his game, though, as tackling, as clearances. Mm. That that could play a factor in there. You know, is it? Has he has he got enough help there? You know, in, in a yeah, midfield against Leverkusen, you know, I, I'm trying to remember how Leverkusen set up, but were we outnumbered in the middle of the park for the way we set up? I don't think we were. I think we were outnumbered uh, only when we tried to get to the final third, because we looked quite deep. To be honest, we looked quite deep. We didn't. I mean, Piontek's the only thing that we, only person that we had up in the final third a lot of the time. Um, and they had to, honestly, Bayer Leverkusen set up perfectly for the way that we were set up. Every, every, like they were a wall, we were a wall. So yeah, I, it, it was it was too even to be able to to call it on that one. But Stark's class percentage being that low, yeah, that's was... really worrying. <laughs> like I just want to jump in here, folks, because we said we were going to do a little snack-sized preview for the Union game, and we're now, <laughs> we're now yeah. approaching Oops. an hour, so. So uh, uh, yeah, this is probably not a, sad, a snack size. This is a, this is the bump. <laughs> who needs, who needs snacks? <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's just end with some positivity. Uh, Mike, have we persuaded you that we might win on Friday night? I'm hopeful. I, it, it's win, win or a draw, and, and that's derby games as well. You know, they're not easy. Form goes out the window. Anything can happen. I, I want us to win, and I'm, I hope that we do. Elliot, are we are we going to win three two, or are they going to win three two? Ah, oh, I, I want to say us. I, I really do. <laughs> you should have ended the podcast, Mark. I know, yeah. The only the only Stage problem goes. is, I mean, Union's defence has been really good so far this season. But yeah, but look at who they've like again. Look at who they've played. Look at how many goals that Cologne, Bielefeld, Mainz have scored between them. True. It's probably it's probably the same amount that we scored on our own. I know. Are we going to win? Yes or no? Yeah. 